Welcome to FSN, I'm Wes Carey. You might know me from FAFL Grandstand. With me today, we've got Tyler Colt and James Witherspoon. What, is no one else going to talk here? I'm James Witherspoon. You might know me from my coverage of the FBA Draft a couple days ago. We're here to cover highlights around the different leagues and nations of the world, apparently. Um, I am Tyler Colt, first, first person here. That might be... Uh, the... Oh, fuck. Well, we've got Tyler Colt, the foul-mouthed draft horse here. Yeah, my name is Tyler Colt. I'm one of the new news reporters here at the FSN. I'll provide you some quality sports news from across the leagues. Yeah, well, those are my co-hosts joining me for this episode. Um, bit of a, we had a bit of a slip up there, but hey, we're, we're back on track now. Anyway. This is episode one. What do you what do you expect? Yeah, we're not. It's not a finely tuned machine yet. Uh, but anyway, there's a brief. That was our brief rundown and introduction to the crew. Now let's go. Let's go around the world. We start around the world, and welcome to around the world, where where this this will be a segment where we will bring up stories that we we probably can't couldn't do a full segment on, but they are in the, the interest interest of everyone. So we're going to have a look at look at a brief look at these stories. First up, James, you you probably know a bit more about this guy than than me and Tyler do, but Scooney Barrett, oh yeah, Hawaii Kahuna's player. He's apparently become a father. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I heard a bit about that actually. Scooty Barrett, the Hawaii Kahuna's franchise otter player, just recently became a father, and he's given and his uh, wife slash girlfriend has given birth to a bouncing baby boy. And I'm just gonna, say, I'm probably gonna say this right now. He'll either be in a surfing competition like uh, 18 years from now, or maybe even potential. If he's anything like his father, he might even participate in the FBA. 18 to 20 years from now, when I'm older. What do you mean older? You already are. I'm 40-something years old, darn it. Rough. Well, you'll be 60-something years old. And I'll sound a lot more gruffer than I am now. I think I've done that one. But yeah, Scooty Bear became a father for the first time, and from what I heard, he's excited and happily taking on the challenge, and with the amount he's making in Hawaii... His son is set up practically to go wherever he wants to go or do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, with the amount of contracts have been going for recently in the FBA, I ain't surprised. Yeah, but that's the big coverage there in Hawaii. Uh, looks like uh, this might be a, let's see, FAFL. What's, help this old dog out here. What's FAFL? What's FAFL or FAFL or whatever, whatever you kids call it? And the Furry Australian Football League. Yes, James. It is oh, the football. it is the Furry Australian Football League, and at the moment we're currently going through the award season. First off, we had we had Adelaide full forward Bayako end up winning the Michael Vendy Bruce Medal for 
for leading goal kicker. He, he's gone back to back with that. Last year, he ended up kicking over 100 goals, but this year he came, came a little bit short of that. He only kicked 98, but it was still, still far ahead of everyone else, and he was able to claim the award for the second year in a row. Uh, last week, we also had the Jimmy Newman medal count, where for the first time ever, we had a tie. In a tight count where we saw, where we saw players like Delilah James, Austin Warner, and Kyle Shower have put up good, good tallies. In the end, we ended up seeing a tie between Gold Coast's Brandon Murphy and Geelong's Drake Harmon. Which is that booster for Geelong after the thrashing they took in the semi-finals of the playoffs. Then what was it, you know, have one of their, their own guys take, you know, the Jimmy Newman medal, you know, for, you know, the, the struggle they had at the beginning of the season, you know, the original Werribee team, not knowing if it's going to even play, and then all of a sudden, you know, the new G-Long franchise are now one of their own that has Jimmy Newman medal. must be like a Cinderella dream for them. It must be, and we, we will cover the rest of the finals in a minute. But finally, in big news in, with the CJ Willing Trophy, Rudy Walker ends up getting his second Jimmy Newman medal. He ends up outpolling by Akko by a few votes. Joel Rosewood ends up also pu- ended up also putting in a good effort. He ended up getting 19 votes. And I think we there was also a bit of surprise with both Faith St. Clair of East Sydney and Sam Sergeant of Melbourne. They both polled well pretty... They both polled well as well. So... That will be, that is going to be interesting. We're going to be, for the grand final, we've got one of the Jimmy Newman medalists in Brandon Murphy taking on the two-time CJ Milling Trophy winner in Rudy Walker. That's going to be a good contest. You know, the old school with the new school, the pro with the rookie. I heard old school, and that's literally all I heard over here. So that will be an interesting battle. But up next, we've got another Faffle story here. They're going to be getting a, we're going to be having a 10th franchise as the Brisbane Brumbies will be coming in next season for the Faffle. So the Dragons now have a new rival. Yes, I wanted to teach you what Brumbies were. So that name was like, wow. Uh, just a little clarification for some of us Americans. What exactly is a Brumby? It is a Australian wild horse. Oh, okay. Who says we don't teach I do not know that. I heard that. Bark, 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 bark. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, well, this team, it was a bit of a surprise coming in to begin with because a lot of people expected the next franchise to be probably in somewhere like Perth or Canberra or even Launceston. But hey, we've got another team in Rugby League territory and it has got a chance, potential to be to handle this offseason very well because not only are they going to have picks in the main draft, they're going to have their own expansion draft where they're going to have two rounds with 18 picks each in each round, totally up to 36. Uh, the first round, they're going to be able to select two players from each of the other nine Faffle clubs where they have a chance to pick up experienced stars and underrated gems. But they are going to have to work around each team as they will be able to protect up to 10 of their top players from being selected by the expansion team. So they're going to have to look around a bit. Sounds like it, yeah. Expansion drafts, I can understand it a little bit. Anyway, so in the second round, that will also have 18 picks, as I implied before. They will get to pick 18 players from the reserves league that haven't been elevated to the main roster during the first round where they where they have been picking players that are already on the roster. So whoever's left in the reserves league after the 18 picks, they can go ahead, look at them, pick the ones they want, and they'll have their they'll have a 
list of 36 players before they get to the main draft, where they will have the number one pick, as they are the expansion team. They will get the number one draft pick, and they will be able to pick four times in that draft. So they'll have a starting list of 40 players. That sounds interesting. Again, I have no clue about any of this stuff, so I'm just listening in and trying to figure out where I can come in here with something snappy or murky. Uh, Tyler, you got anything to say on that? Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how Brisbane handles this league. It's like, yes, they're going to be, you know, we're grabbing quite a few maybe of you know, the old-timers from the other teams in the expansion draft. But as the same with any new team in any new league, it's like, how will that team gel together? How will a new franchise cope? That is a good question, but I personally think it's going to be a mix of, like, younger talent that the teams are fine with giving up, or mainly that they don't think they're worth keeping, mainly, and a mix of the old times that they think they can get rid of. So I think it's going to be a mix of both, because if they go they go too old, they risk, t- they risk most of their good players retiring pretty quickly. If they go too young, they're going to be sitting there for a bit. So I think it's going to be a mix of both, personally. Sounds about right. Anyway... That that was that was around the world and coming up next we have got a big segment. It is of course the lead up to probably the biggest week in Australian sports or the and the biggest day in Australian sports. We are gonna be talking about the twenty seventeen FAFL grand final. So yeah, this is going to be a big matchup, as not only have we got the back-to-back reigning premiers, the, the Orange Miners, making into their third straight grand final, we've also got the Gold Coast Dragons coming in, and this is this will be their eighth attempt to win their first premiership. So, with the Miners having a chance to get their record-breaking ninth premiership here, and the Dragons having a chance to finally get their first after 42 years in this league. This will be a historic grand final. History is going to be made one way or the other. Like you said, either a record's going to be broken, or a team's dream is finally going to be realized. It can go either way, I guess. Well, before we get to that, we're going to have, have a look over how the season has gone so far for the Miners and the Dragons. So, pretty much, let's have a look first at the Miners themselves. As we know, all know, they have been the team to beat. Last year, they went 11-5 and and ended up winning the Premiership. Before then, they ended up in the 18 competition that was in 2015. They managed to, they managed to be underdogs and they were able to beat the Adelaide Butcherbirds who, who they were, they were trying to go back to back in 2015, but they were unable to. So essentially, over the last two years, they have managed to take out the Adelaide Butcherbirds and win the Premiership. This year, it's been a little different. I mean, the Butcherbirds have, while styling some of their star players, have not exactly been in form as they finished 7-9. and nine. Meanwhile, the Miners have finished 13-3, and three, and on top of that, they got the finals win in the second semi-final, which we will cover in a minute. So, we have a dominant team here in the Orange Miners that could easily go back-to-back-to-back. On the other hand, we have a team in the Gold Coast Dragons... This is a team that has been to seven previous grand finals, and they have not won any of them. They have always had the bad luck of either just just being beaten by the siren before they could get in front, 
being absolutely poleaxed or just running out of stick. So this is a team that has never been able to taste the success of a grand final win. But Always the bride, never the bride. The dragons, right? Yeah, the dragons. We're talking about the dragons at the moment. Well, if they've been to the Grand Slam many times before, I think this might be their year, probably. Because if you've been if you've been back like multiple times, but failed to win the dance, eventually, like one time, one time out of however many there was before, you got at least get one in there somehow. Yeah, well, that's what they will be hoping. It's like last season they were kind; they were very inconsistent. They were they went seven and nine, finished seventh. They didn't have a great season. They, but they managed. Was, was it the, was it the players, or did uh, some sort of dreaded water curse shake the team, or what? Yeah, I. It can main. I think it can mainly become come down to like the the second year slump. Like in the first year of Ryan Chowell's tenure at the club in 2015, they did pretty well. They went 14 and seven, made it to the preliminary final. They, lo- they they stumbled on the last hurdle, but they did well considering how the club was previously. Second year, it was just more a mix of inconsistency, just trying to find a mix of players. Too many veterans had retired the previous year. They were trying to find their footing again. This year, they've come back hard. They found, they found the players they needed in the draft in Austin Warner and Brandon Murphy. Both of them have been incredibly good for the team. And they were especially what they needed, and that's why they managed to make the jump this season. But as much as they have a completely dominant forward line with Anthony Spaulding, the veteran Michael Vanderbeck, Catherine Slater, Brandon Thornton, Ronnie Tiggy, Lido Smith, and of course Brandon Murphy, what stands in their way is a dominant, dominant team in the Orange Miners. So this is going to be a big match. It's going to be a shootout, that's for sure. It definitely will be, as essentially the Orange Miners and their forward line have top veterans in Hornsby and Knight, who, while aren't exactly the flashiest players, they are pretty good in high-pressure situations. You've got Cecil Brooks, who is essentially their number two forward at this point, who can kick a bag of goals when needed. And then, of course, you've got the crown jewel in Rudy Walker, who has won his second CJ Willing trophy, and he could be on his way to winning his third premiership medallion. So they have got to, they've got to stop this fault line. They've got to stop this fault line if they want to get somewhere, which, granted, they managed to sort of do in the second semi-final, which we will get to, which we'll get to right now. We'll get to the fires right now. Before that, any of you guys want to interject anything? Uh, not really. Except, uh, I'm hoping maybe the Gold Coast Dragons actually pull something out of their tails and maybe get a win. Mark, Mark. Hey, if I have to put my $5 on someone, it's going to be on the Dragons, hoping they can finally pull out that legendary win for themselves. Okay, I'll give you my pick once we have gone over the finals and that. So, to kick off the finals, we had the 2017 FAFL qualifying final, which was between Gold Coast and the Melbourne Hammerheads. This was at Carrara. It started off well for Melbourne. They ended up actually going into quarter time with a three-point lead. They stayed pretty competitive in the second quarter, even though Gold Coast managed to pick up their goal-kicking ability, ending up kicking 13 goals, five by half-time, compared to nine goals, 14 for Melbourne. But in the end, 
Melbourne kind of started to slip away in the second half, and Gold Coast were able to easily get the win and advance through to the second semi-final between them and Orange. Brandon Murphy ended up having a good game here. He kicked seven. Michael Vanderbeck kicked six. Sporting with four. Lufu Kevin Kintaja, the backline player, got three. Ronnie Tiggins later with two, and Blake and Thornton got one. The Hammerheads kind of struggled in the fourth line compared to them, where Hamish Connor and Emily Lancaster kicked four goals and three goals respectively, but no one else was able to join them with the multiple goal kicking for the Hammerheads this game. So, the Dragons ended up advancing from this. The next the next final, however, was the 2017 Elimination Final. The winner here would take on the would take on the Hammerheads as they lost the qualifying final. So, Fremantle took on Geelong here, and despite a competitive first quarter from the from the Generals, this was just a round. Tyler, I mean, you were talking about it a little bit earlier. I mean, this was a pretty disappointing match from the Generals, wasn't it? Yeah, after the dream season that they've had is like, you know, from, you know, not knowing what they played to, to what I think is a respectable end result for them going eight and eight, I believe it was. To then, you know, make the playoffs and then I suffer a blowout of that magnitude it must have been such a deflating moment for both you know, for players and fans alike. Yeah, I mean, you look at Fremantle here, like Colin Trapson, he's been pretty inconsistent all season, but he manages to get six goals here. Lulu Fry for Fremantle gets five. Gomez, who managed to make it to the old furry team, gets got four. And we ended up getting a platitude of people who kicked two goals in Erica Lunaborn, Billy Joe McCormick, Wayne DeGrandy, and Kirk Ryan. Meanwhile, with Geelong, the best they could muster in the goal line was the Harmon twins each with two. Yes, yeah, like, did Geelong keep on that game? It's like, this is not the generals team that we saw throughout the season. It's like, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that the team manager is going to have something to say to the guys in the locker room. I'm pretty certain about it. Um, James, you have anything to say about the first week of the finals? Only thing I really have to say is bark. Not really much to say about it. Yeah, well, I think I think Xander McMichaels were probably barking mad at the team after that performance. Yeah, bark, bark, bark. I still remember back at the start of the season when Geelong was exactly starting off all that strong. The kind of extra training he was giving the players, I'm sure he's giving them another double dose of that right now. Yeah, I would think that too. Anyway, we head on to the second week of finals, and we start off with the first semi-final here. Melbourne took on Fremantle to fight for a spot to see who would play in the in this last week's preliminary final. So, pretty much, you had a team that had just lost to the to the Dragons taking on a team that had just thumped the Generals. So you were, the Hammerheads were hoping to bounce back, and the Panthers were hoping to continue that form, and both teams put in a incredible, an incredible effort here. At quarter time, it was only six points between them, with Melbourne getting ahead slightly just by another goal to their name, with the scores being 7-5-47 to Fremantle 6-5-41. The second quarter, however, the, the Hammerheads managed to get a huge advantage here as they managed to kick... Six goals, seven, to get up to 13-13-91, to the Panthers who only kicked one goal, two, which brought them up to seven goals, seven, 49. But the Panthers, to their credit, did incredibly well to get back in it. They held the Hammerheads down, and they managed to get close. But in the end, it just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough time. Hammerheads win by 21 points. Final scores, 22-19, 151 
at uh, Fremantle, 18-22-130. So Melbourne advanced through to the preliminary final, and Angela Condy had a great game here, eight goals to a name. Your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, not really a lot of thoughts here, because, again, like I said, I'm the old dog here, and I really don't pay much attention to the FAFL or FAFL or however it's pronounced. But if I'm going to be part of this, i got to start doing my homework and actually See if I can't get the network to actually give me some actual good notes. Come on, people. What are you waiting for? Not you guys. You guys are cool. You guys are great to work with. You guys are great to work with. But, uh, yeah, we need – I need better cliff notes here. So, Tyler, your thoughts? Well, good. Just, uh, it was a good result for one side, unfortunate for Fremantle. Okay. Um, that covers it. So, anyway, we had one last – we had a second final to go here. We had – the next night we had the second semifinal between – the Orange Miners and the Gold Coast Dragons at Bloomfield Oval. A very dominant ground for the Miners. They have won a lot there, but they have lost They lost their twice this season, and it was against Melbourne and the Gold Coast. So could the Gold Coast end up causing an upset here and going straight through to the grand final? Well, first off, the, the Miners got off hot. They managed to get nine goals to 56 in the first quarter. Meanwhile, the, the Dragons had to be content with five goals, zip 30. However, the dive would change and the Gold Coast would get the momentum swing that they needed. They have been very good at that this season. And they managed to get it to swing their way and get a lead by seven points at halftime. With the scores 14-488, Orange trailing to Gold Coast 15-595. However, it would all get shaky in the second half as Gold Coast ended up kicking in the entire second half six goals, 23 behind. A highly inaccurate score, a highly inaccurate score, and essentially allowed the Miners to end up squeaking past by 10 points, seeing them seal their third straight grand final victory. Oh, not grand final victory, sorry. Not victory, uh, their f- appearance, sorry about that. So they got their, their third, third visit. So they got their Use th- your words. Yeah, right. So they got their third grand final appearance. Don't ban it, guys. They haven't won the grand final yet. Still gonna fi- they're still going to find that out on on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so they've got their so they have gotten their their third grand final appearance. There, they've won by ten points. But with the performance that the goal guys put in, you'd think that if they could have gotten three less behinds and turned them into goals, they could have been to the grand final one week earlier. Who knows, Tyler? Anyway, um. With the goals scoring wise, we had Cecil Brooks kicking seven, Arthur Gilbert kicking six, the CJ Willing Trophy winner Rudy Walker kicking three, Hornsby also joining in with three, Johnson and Knight with two, and Hurry and brother to Rudy Walker, Ryder Walker kicking one. Meanwhile, the Dragons did all right in the goal kicking, Ronnie Tiggy being the best with five, Slater with four, Murphy joining over four, Spalding and Thornton with three. Chapman and McCulloch each have won, but there was one name missing there, and that was Michael Vanderbeck, who had an absolute shocker of a game. People were starting to think that the veteran might have lost it, but we come to the next week. Preliminary final, it's a rematch between the, the Dragons and the Hammerheads back at Carrara, so this is the second time in three weeks the Hammerheads have had to travel to Carrara, and we end up getting a huge pelting here from the from the Dragons. Just... It was a domination from, frankly, the start of it. Like, 
At Hull, at quarter time, it's eight goals, 9.57 to three goals, 1.19. The Dragons continue that lead and keep the Melbourne Hammerheads scoreless in the second quarter, standing that lead to 102 points. And then it just continues on like that until we get to the final score of 32-30, 122, smashing the Hammerheads, 8.755. And we thought the G-Long smacking was a big one. Yeah, all it, I can say is I was about to say all I can say is if they can be that dominant against them, they can definitely be dominant in the grand final. Well, they can. In Michael Vandermeck ends up bouncing back here. Seven goals to his name. Brandon Murphy with seven. Spalding with five. Slater with three. Matthew Blake, the first ever gay player in the FAFL, or the first ever openly gay player in the FAFL, kicks two. Jessica Chapman kicks two. Tiggy kicks two, and then Warner Simpson and Blakeston and McCormick each get one. Meanwhile, Melbourne struggling to kick goals. Emily Lancaster, only multiple goal scorer with three. So that sets up our grand final. We have a dominant team here who could break history here. They could win their ninth grand final and surpass Hobart as the most successful team in the history of the FAFL. But on the other hand, we have a team that is so hungry to fight to try and win that first premiership that they have tried Oh, so many times to get, but they've just never gotten a chance. Who do you you guys said that you were going to pick? Pick the dragons for this? Yeah, like I said, if anyone um, away minecart is the average miner, I think it's going to be the dragons. I'm putting my money on the dragons. Well, I think this is going to come close. We've had there's been three games between between these two teams this season. Orange has won two. Gold Coast has won one. But the thing is, those two, those three matches all happen at home grounds. This is going to be a different feel. There's going to be 100,000 people roaring throughout that entire game for both of those teams. They're going to be fighting... Actually, wait a minute. Who won the last game between those two? Well, that would be the minors by 10. But that was, but a lot of that can be attributed to the six goals, 23 goal goals kicked in the second half. They only won by 10. Yeah, I'll stick with the Dragons. Yeah, so as I said before, there's going to be 100,000 people there screaming their, screaming their names. We're going to be having... There's going to be... Like, this is going to be a hard... This is going to be a ground that they don't really know. This is going to be a completely different feel to these last couple of games. And it's going to be a lot of pressure on them. Right. The, the miners themselves... They have shown that they can prove that they can cope in this. The Dragons have not. Do I do I hope that they can come through? I do. But I think at the moment, I think I'm going to say orange on this one. I just think they're too good right now. They handle the pressure really well. Rudy Walker is a star. And, I mean... They have some weaknesses here and there, but it's going to come down to if the Dragons can pull through. If they can pull through on the pressure, they've got their hands on their first cup. But if we see a performance like the second half of the second semifinal again, I think Orange is going three in a row. It's all going to depend on how the Dragons cope with this pressure. But I do know another thing I'm looking forward to on this grand final. And what's that? Well, I mean, one of my favorite groups is coming, coming to perform for the halftime entertainment. We got the critters. I mean, I I like that band. I mean, you guys know Mr. Brightside. Somebody told me when you were young. Yeah, can't I can't wait to see him perform. But personally, 
I'm looking forward to this match even more because I think we've got a Clash of the Titans here. I can't wait to see it. And speaking of Faffle news, let's talk about the Bartlett Knight and Kenton love triangle. There's a love triangle going on? I'm curious. Quite the controversial story, this one. Well, let's get on with it. So, let's talk about back in... Back in June. Both the generals and the hammerheads went over to Texas. Right. It was not a good night for the generals as they got pelted. A pretty poor performance. Yeah, I think even the I think even the general's GM Jack Knight walked out mid broadcast on that he was at. Yeah, I remember it completely. He walked out. New UF, UFFL Commissioner Joe Bowers passed out in the back. Pretty weird night for me, but hey, special night still. Anyway, so after that match, Jackie Knight, star star right receiver for the Texas Ramblers, decided to take out. Take out Damien Bartlett, a wing fur for the Geelong Generals, out to a club. I think we all know. Oh boy. They yeah. got they got yeah. a little drunk, they got a little crazy, and someone slipped them a little something that wasn't exactly a drink. Yeah, yeah it was more. You know, got a hand on the a nice little bag of the smelly green nippy stuff, and Same. I believe they uh, from the local paper. Uh, snapped a photo of Bartlett sniffing the nip of quite an intimate area of Miss Knight. Oh. And obviously, another. Uh, yeah. That's. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Scandal alert. So, essentially, what happens is they both get drunk. We end up seeing a little bit of stuff that they probably shouldn't be have been taking. And we end up seeing a bit more than what what was expected. So essentially they end up doing some stuff it happens and essentially once the news comes out it's a huge deal for both the UFFL and the Faffle. As not only the Stark right receiver for the Ramblers have been caught with catnip for the second time but Damien Bartlett has been caught with using it as well, so essentially he's violated the Fafel drug policy. Plus, Jacqueline Knight is actually the boyfriend of Karis Kenton, or at the moment used to be after a bit of an argument and a huge, massive row they had after the initial story broke. Oh boy. So essentially... Or as well, my, my great-uncle Scooby would say, rot row. <laughs> so essentially, after this, we've got a player who has to be fined for for violating the drug policy. We've got Jackie Knight now in in rehab or rehabilitation because this is a second time violating the UFFL drug policy. And now we've got a livid boyfriend here who has just seen is just seeing a girlfriend cheat him with some bloke he's never heard of. So essentially now we've got a love triangle going on here because essentially two of them decided. We're just going to go get drunk. We're going to get wasted. And essentially now we've got this feud going on in our hands. So, I yeah. mean, 
We already had an interview with uh, with our colleague Eric Blanc. Yeah, and well, I think, uh, we're getting that. Just... just give us a sec. And as as Tyler said, there's a bit of an there was a little bit of an interview a little bit after this event, and let's just say Damien Bartlett was not exactly he was not exactly too kind to. To Kenton, and he was not afraid. Was not afraid of saying any of the details because he goes on. He tells the incomplete. He tells his side of the story. He ends up finding out that Kenton was the boyfriend of Knight, and then he ends up essentially dissing him. Yeah, saying like he probably got like oh, a small. Boy. Like I said, he's got like a small woohoo. He's not that good with Jack. So essentially now, we've yet to hear Kenton's side of the story, but I expect him to be completely livid. Yeah, I believe the interview between Aaron and Kenton is going to be coming up soon. Yeah, well, that will be one to look out for. But guys, this is probably going to... This has affected the generals as essentially Bartlett... I mean, Bartlett... His teammates are now kind of making fun of him because, I mean, we flash forward to Mad Monday this year... Where the players are having their drinkathon after that dismal performance in the elimination final, and Mitch and Drake Harmon come dressing up as Bartlett Knight. So yeah, plus that's gotta stink. But you guys remember, Jacqueline Knight is the sister of the Geelong GM as well. Because Jack Knight, the GM of both the Texas Ramblers in the UFL and the Geelong Generals over in the FAFL. So essentially, Damien bowed his boss's sister. Oh god, that's even, that has made it even worse. And like, what? What? That is that is not good. And essentially, we haven't even gotten to gotten to the end of like the the Parman thing. Is like, as essentially, Damien tweets out once because he's gone with the Knights to Texas right after that that final. He's tweeted out, "F you, Mitch and Drake." Wait until I come back with Jackie after I deal with this Kenton guy. You're going to pay for this. Hashtag F the Harmons. Oh, boy. So now he's living with his own teammates. And, guys, this this is going to affect the Ramblers. This is going to affect the Ren- the North Florida Renegades because Kenton's now essentially going to become a media. Gonna be fo- the media is just going to be swarmed on him because of this. And this is going to affect the generals because the off-season coming. Who knows if someone wants out now because they don't want to put up with Bartlett? We don't know. This is going to affect all three of them. And- all from one where they weren't thinking well, but Damien was probably thinking with his cock more than anything else. And Jackie Knight was just wasn't thinking all together, thinking she'd already been caught before. So let's not get any more of that stuff. So essentially, guys, who is at fault here for this? Honestly, he's been caught once before with many green stuff. So why the hell did you get him again? Let alone that anyone sniff it after tears. I honestly don't know who's really at fault here because there's so many twists and turns in this whole thing that's like, ugh. Honestly, the fallout to me seems a little bit tamed than anything else because if you get busted with drugs twice, that should be like a big. that should be more than just a fine. That should be like a suspension, 
couple other things. Um, I think you think, I, excuse me, I think you think you're Bartlett who got the fine. Uh, Knight, who got oh, caught Bartlett. twice, has gotten rehabilitation. Oh. oh, Bartlett? Oh, well, never mind. Uh, so wait, Knight's, this is Knight's first offense. I'm trying to get this, trying to... It's Knight's second out. offense. So... Yeah, the, yeah, the notes they gave me, they didn't list who got the offense, like, multiple times. I'm looking at this, trying to look at this again here. Yeah, well, I think notes. I think we're going to have to... Guys, I think we need some better notes next time. Yeah, if you hear that, guys, in the back, we need better notes. So, anyway... Thank you, Mark. So, anyway, who... So, anyway, um... James, so... Who do you think is at fault? Is it... Is it Bartlett or is it Knight? I'd have to go with Bartlett, because if this is his second offense... I'm saying that correctly, right? Uh, no, Bartlett's got the first offense. Jackie's gotten the second offense. Oh, Jack. Well, uh, uh, that's kind of a toss-up, really, because if it's Bar, if it's, uh, I honestly don't know who to say would be at fault here, because, uh, just, I don't know. That's, this is a good delicate situation, I could say that much right now. But I would probably have to hazard a guess that maybe Bartlett might be a little bit at fault. Because after Jackie's first offense, I think the smart thing would do would be to get away as far away from that stuff as possible. But after like getting far away from that, she gets a little few too many drinks and she winds up uh, making a silly mistake, like doing Nip a second time with a cute guy that she doesn't know. So, kind of hard to say who would be really at fault. I think maybe both parties might have a little bit of fault in this. Okay, well, I'm personally going to say I'm going to agree with you, James. This, I personally think Bartlett's at fault here. Knight is at fault here. Both of them, just, they did not think, and essentially now they've just caused a huge fuss, and who knows when this, when this is going to die down. That's going to be a while. Yeah, so... After spending the last five minutes talking about people... Other pe- people in other people's pants... We're going to be talking about something uh, that has a... That is a big event for the FBA. We have, of course, talking about the 2017 FBA draft. It's late and I'm about to go boom Mercy, mercy, mercy me oh, My life was a cage but on stage I'm free Hyped up, psyched up, ready for wildin' And I was there for the first round and oh Bark, bark, oh bark Yeah. And that's just me censoring a whole lot of words that I can't say on the air Even though we've already said cock and tits already Yeah, well <laughs> Let's but, start. Uh, let's start off here, and essentially, we had a huge trade to begin off. The beginning, yeah. First round of the first thing that happened right after the first thing, the deputy commission, well, commissioner, newest FBA commissioner. I forgot his name already. All day starting to catch up with me, and also Ward stuff and Mac. The Banger Tides traded with the Arizona Whips. The Banger Tides got 
Lance Wildfire, who was the hottest free agent in the FBA free agency list for a two-year contract deal well over like $40 million, I believe. And the uh, Arizona Whips number uh, six pick – oh, I know, number seven pick in the FBA draft. And the Arizona Whips got three of Bangor's top players and the number three pick. And then after that, after getting that pick, the there was an interruption while the Dakota Bikers were trying to make their first selection. And apparently the Bangor Tides traded with the Dakota Bikers – Ooh. To get the number one pick, and they wound up drafting out of Appalachian Academy, Leon Delmont, Ooh. a point guard. That is a pretty interesting story right there. I mean, jeez, like, that was inc- like a shocking just to see that happen right then and there, right before the draft. So I that- was, I was there, and that was, I'm still in Las Vegas right now. I'm coming to you via the miracle of newfangled technology and stuff. Just, I'm glad the draft's over because that was one of the biggest things of the night. Jeez. So, essentially, we, so the next, so we look at, like, the first round here. Um, Are there any players here you kind of want to bring up here? Uh, honestly, I, let's see, who should we bring up? Uh, honestly, I want to kind of cover a little bit about Leon Delmont here. That was a mm-hmm. huge draft pick to be picked up in the first round. There were there were like six or seven teams that were that were hunting for a point guard this year, and out of all those teams, Bangor was the least likely to get a point guard up until they traded their starting point guard show. Masaru, Masaru. I'll just call him Show Massey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they traded him to Arizona as part of that three-way, as part of that big three-way trade deal, if you want to call it a three-way trade deal. And just he was a player, he was a top player in the comp, draft combine, and a really hot pickup. He was projected number one of the top twenty-four, and he got picked up number one. In the draft, by the tides. That is a that is a it, big deal. It is a very big deal. He's a top player, and he's someone that I'm honestly going to be looking forward to seeing this year in the draft. Well, in this year's upcoming season. Yeah, well, if he goes number one and he's been in the top twenty-four, well, there's going to be a lot of pressure on this guy. I mean, he's e- he is either going to be a star or he could be an epic bust. Let's make no doubts about that. Like, when you're the number one draft pick, you either have to come through, or you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be worth the hype. So let's hope Leon Delmont makes it. So yeah. So anyone else you want to bring up in the first round? Uh, let me take a look at my cliff notes here real quick. Uh, well, actually, there is one other person I want to bring up that was like one well I think this person is now going to become a running meme thing or meme thing that these kids are coming up with these days mm-hmm. and that is uh, what's her name or what's his name or what's her name oh yeah 
or her name, Ella Blessing, to the Lorraine Firestorm. She was a top 10 player that went number 24 in the first round, the last pick of the top 24 of the first round of the FBA draft. She went number 24, and she was projected number 10. Oh, jeez, that is a a huge fall. That is a dramatic fall from top to bottom, and quite honestly, I think that might be one of the big steals of this year's draft, or this year's draft, because she, like I said, top 10, jumped to number 24. She's going to have a whole lot to say about that this upcoming season. Yeah, I would expect that. I mean, hey, you drop you're projected to go top. You're projected to go at the in the top ten, and then you drop down twenty four, almost out of the first round. Yeah, you're gonna be a you're gonna want to prove yourself even more. Try and prove those teams wrong. Yeah, the question is though, is she gonna be a blessing or a curse? Yeah, will Ella blessing? Like her name suggests. Yeah, will she be a blessing or will she be a curse? We don't know yet, but. She could be, she couldn't be, she might not be. I don't know. We will find out in the season. So we'll keep an eye on Ella Blessing. So the next day we had round two. The next day we had round two, and I was I was in the commentator booth, but I kept myself quiet because I wanted to actually hear what was going on. And it was actually a much quieter draft, even though there were a lot of, Jams uh, bringing their own water from their hotels because they think Banger spiked the water after that first round of the draft. Oh, jeez. Uh, just gonna... because of how. Just because of the insanity and stuff. Yeah, well. And also, apparently, when the. And also, one of the guys got sick, I believe, too, so that was like, uh, okay. Yeah, well, talking about stuff like that, we will probably bring a little bit of that up of what happened in the. in the UFFL drop with Joe Bowers, but. We're not going to be talking about right now. Is there anyone here in the second round that you really want to talk about? Uh, there is actually one I want to talk about. i got to get another set of notes here I don't have on my spreadsheet. I got Just give me like two seconds. Where is it? Bark, 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 bark. I need to make sure I have better notes this time. You hear that, guys, in the back? I'm growling at you. Arr. Yeah, I think we all agree. We need. A, I think we need some better notes here. Yes, we do. Uh, okay, notes are coming up on my file here. Uh, I think the big thing I definitely want to talk about in the second draft was someone who did not get drafted, and he was a... Well, these two were not... Well, this guy... This one player was non-top 24... But he was at least in the top 40 of the draft. Frank Wang went undrafted. Frank He was one of the top... Yeah. Quite a name if you're... Well, quite a name to have when you're going through high school and college. Frank Wang. Yeah. I guess I'm allowed a dick joke on this this show, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Definitely. But he went undrafted, and he's still waiting for a team to make him an offer. Yeah, well, you think you think maybe his name might be could be affecting that? Like, I mean, I mean, maybe not. But I don't know. I mean, some some people are a bit, you know, they're a bit 
they don't really like names like that somewhat. They don't like names that sound like other things, but hey, I hope this guy does get a, get a contract here because, well, he does look like a decent prospect. Yeah, and he's a decent pro- he's a decent prospect. I'd give him props, and yeah, they may not want to hear someone yell out, and Wang scores a three pointer, <laughs> or Wang for the first shot yeah. from three, Wang from the woods. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, uh, Wang's bark, on the hardwood. <laughs> Yeah, but I have high hopes for this kid. I know he'll get picked up probably in the coming weeks because free agency's already started for the FBA, so if a team needs a shooting guard or a player out there, Wang might be your man. Yeah, uh, so Tyler, you're not exactly very knowledgeable at the FBA, are you? Tyler? Oh, sorry. Tyler. Sorry. I was about half asleep there. What was it? Uh, oh, God. Uh, you was, wait, you were asleep? <sighs> Amateur hour. Tyler, you're, you're not the most knowledgeable of the FBA, are you? No, I can't say I do. All I, the most I know about the FBA is you take that knife out to your orange ball and throw it down to the hoopy thing at one end. Yeah, well, hopefully, like... Like James with the FAFL, hopefully we can help you learn a bit more about the FBA over the coming weeks and that. Yep. Well, that's luck. Bark, bark. So, uh, James, any other players you want to talk about from this draft? Uh, taking one last look here. Uh, not really. They're... Uh, there were some other trades in the draft, like during during the draft. Uh, the Texas Lone Stars uh, traded up their trade up to Edmonton's pick at number twenty mm-hmm. or number twenty one, actually, to pick up a point guard, uh, Hudson Die Batch Dieback, something like that. He's a squirrel point guard, but. Um, I Texas think it, that, I think it's Hudson. Tra- uh, sorry, uh, I think it's Hudson. I think it's Hudson Dalback. I think so. Yeah. Go ahead. But uh, anyway, that's not the big story of that pick, though. It's actually uh, the Texas Lone Stars and that trade sent their star shooting guard, uh, Francois Martino, Martin, Francois Martino. Martino, whatever. They traded him, their second-year player, in a signed trade deal as a part to get that pick. Yeah, and that that is a big trade because, uh, I mean, Martino, he's been a star for the Lone Stars. I mean, it, you kind of wonder how he's going to go for Edmonton. Will, will he still be in the same form, or will he end up like his fellow, fellow player, Travis Buckner, and kind of fall down the ranks? Oh, Buckner. More, more than likely. More than likely. <laughs> I honestly don't think so because Edmonton's been building up a strong team this year, so I think they might have something good going for them this year with Martineau at the helm as shooting guard. They're getting rid of some of their old. They're getting rid of some of their players that should retire, like I should retire because I got plastic hip and stuff. So yeah, bark bark. 
Okay, so so okay, so that that was the 2017 FBA draft. There's a lot of decent young talent here. We will keep an eye on it during the season. So we have one last thing to deal with here, and it is another big draft. We are going to be talking about the 2017 UFFL draft. Unless I can help cover it. All right. Same. I actually know a fair bit about this one. I know a little bit too, I think. Bark, yeah. bark. Yeah, well, I know a bit, so we have a bit to talk about here. So before we get to the draft, let's talk about what has happened over the off season. And guys, what has happened? A lot. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. The departing of of, of commissioner. What was his name? Larry Walden. Of Larry Walden, of great Al himself. And then we get this guy, ours. What the beep? Yeah, what the beep? Yeah, I agree with your sentiments, guys. Just, God, what, what is he? Just, I had to spend a bit with this guy, and well. Let's yeah, just say he's a bit. Let's just say he's a bit of a character. <laughs> and that's what it moved. Does he really drink that much? Uh, yeah. We were actually packing up the crew stuff, and he was still passed out there. So, like, we had people in the box after the ah. game. Everyone's left. We're packing up all the equipment, and Joe Bowser's still passed out behind the box. Your new commissioner, everybody. That guy needs to lay off the drinking. Just like Jackie Knight went to rehab for a, for a catnip, this guy needs to go to rehab for a drinking alcohol problem. He needs to go to FAA, Furry Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> so, on top of new Commissioner Bowers, yeah, he's Commissioner, we're not, we are not joking with you. Uh, we got two new he's teams. He's got to fire us all. Well... Be, well, good luck with that. I'm I'm halfway across the world. Uh, anyway, well, anyway, we got two new teams here, and uh, also Bowers is connected to this somehow. We have from we have from New Orleans, New Orleans, or New Orleans. You can say it either way. We have the, we have the Cozars. Uh, when I came back from the war, I actually went to New Orleans for a while and. Boy, did I party. Well, we've got... The, they will be a part of the United Conference, which is a very, very tough conference for them. The last three champions of the Furball are there, the Bandits, the Titans, and the Waves. So they've got a bit of competition there, along with the Renegades and Ramblers and the Outlaws. So that is a stacked conference, guys. A lot of... Sounds like a lot of our names for that conference. Uh, Ramblers and right now, Renegades. Ramblers, Renegades. Mark, Mark. Uh, Tyler, any thoughts on the United Conference? Like this is stacked. Yeah, it's going to be one mammoth season for that conference. Meanwhile, we got us. We got our second team. We've got our second team in Florida now. 
It is the Miami Tropics, and if you can believe this, the commissioner of the league, Joe Bowers, is GM of the Miami Tropics. Who's that? Is this guy kissing? His arm. Yeah, he's he's probably drunk enough to do that just now, just to spite us all. Yeah, well, I can't wait until about week four when he realizes that he doesn't, his team probably isn't going to have much going for it, and he's going to have to come out of retirement and have to be quarterback as well. God, surprised we haven't caught they aren't they're called the Miami. I'm surprised they're not called the Miami Bowers. Or the Miami Tostitos, whenever Tommy mentioned them before. Wait, Bowers has to do what now? You no, know, he's got some sort of sponsorship deal with Tostitos. No, I mean the quarterback thing. Well, he retired. He, just... he previously played for the California Dons and the New York Titans. He retired to take on the commissioner role, but if the Tropics aren't going very well... I really do expect that. I kind of have a feeling in the back of my head that Bowers is going to go, screw it, this team needs me on the field right here, right now, for it to be successful. Bark! Ever actually manager. This is what I'm talking about with retirement. If you're retired, you're retired. End of story. No going back. Yeah, well, some some people decide eh, I gotta go back. Some people decide I'm gonna take a new direction. So we don't know. I mean, hey, we're gonna we we're gonna have a few. We probably at the end of the season we're gonna have a, probably a tribute to all the retirees. But I mean, hey, some decide I gotta come back. Some decide I'm gonna do something else. One of those examples, Fargo is J.J. Brockman, former player for the Gold Coast Dragons. He's now he's now the number one punter over in Fargo, and I'm kind of wondering how he'll go. I mean, I think he did all right last season, but hey, with punters you don't really know that much because well, they only do so they only do so much. But anyway, the Tropics they aren't in the United Conference; they're in the Continental Conference, and it doesn't seem as stacked here, but. But I mean, they could still struggle. I mean, we got the we got the Fargo Axemen who have been kind of struggling recently. They've gotten a new GM and coach. Um, we've got the Baltimore Ponies there, hoping to fu- to make it back to the Furball after the disaster that was Furball two for them. We have the only Canadian team in the league, the Montreal Royal. We have the Eastern Bald Eagles, last year's Furball finalists, the California Dons, and the Grand Rapids Dragons. So. Not as stacked as the United Conference, but it should be a tough. It will still probably be a tough ask for the Tropics. I only have one note for the Eagles, but that'll happen whenever uh, we get to the draft candidates or the draft itself. Okay, uh, Tyler, any thoughts on the Cornell Conference this year? Again, like you said, I don't think it is as stacked as United, but don't count any of those teams out. They're all liable to have a smashing season. Okay, well, we we will probably preview the season when when we get time for it, but that will be for another time here. Now we are going to be looking at the UFFL draft and pick one that was incredibly surprising. Going pick number one, offensive guard Marcus Nash. 
Honestly, one I never saw coming, this is my note that I was going to say about the Eagles. Drafting a kicker in the first round? Mark? Especially pick number five. Jeez. That pick is a- number five overall. There's- mm. All right, first of all, your kicker is going to be available like round three or four. That's a given. Maybe round two even. Why, why, Mark, why pick five when there's so much other talent out there? Well, there is a lot of talent. I mean, uh, I'm surprised by this as well. But, I mean, Marcus Nash, no one expected him to go pick one, but he has. And uh, I think it could be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, he's not going to be the most... I don't think he's going to be the one who gets on the highlight reels all the time. I think that's going to come down to... Some of our next, some of the next people we're going to talk about, but he 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 is going to have the pressure on him as well because if he isn't going to defend very well, or if he isn't going to be able to stop stop the defense, he won't have been worth pick number one, won't he? No, he won't. I think we may have the UFL's biggest flop lined up with this guy. Uh, it's going to be hard to top Roy to Jesus. Oh, God. No one will ever remember the monkey. Never forget the monkey. Yes, never forget. I'm kind of glad we don't have to handle him because, jeez, I looked at his news career and, oh, God, scoops were awful. Just, he did, did, he did. Bark, 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 bark. did he come at one point? Like, after he got canned by Jack Knight of the Generals, he went over another team, tanked there as well. And then try this hand at the East 20. Yeah, well, let's just say, um, let's just say his reporting was not the greatest. I mean, I don't know how, I have no clue how Brexit ties with Australia or the FAFL. Neither do I. And speaking of, what what were you going to say? I was going to say, let's talk quarterbacks that went on the draft. Who was that uh, one horse guy? Uh, what was his name? Well, we, I was going to get to him, but first off, I just want to oh. look at pick number two. Speaking of the faffle, we have the sister of Freeman player Colin Travston, Sharon Travston, going pick number two for the Downriver Waves. She is a running back, and she is already automatically guaranteed to earn more than, than what Colin will next season in the faffle. I mean, rookie contracts, you get a million dollars a year. In the Faffle, you're lucky to get $750,000 a year if you're one of the great players. If you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. So, essentially, so, yeah, exchange rates and everything. I mean, but the thing is, I think I think Fremantle show that they value Travston more than probably, uh, uh, sorry, Colin, they, that should specify Colin. They will probably show they're more appreciative towards Colin than what Downriver will be to Sharon at the moment. Though, if Sharon pulls through, I think she'll get a big payday next contract as well. More likely. Okay, so we now move on to the quarterbacks, and James, you really wanted to talk about Johnny Fields. I like this kid. I am excited to see what he does. That's all I really got to say about him. Yeah, well, he's apparently... I, I see that he's a bit of a country boy... And Nothing I, wrong with that. Well, there's not. Um, just, 
I was a country boy once, but then I became a rock guy, and then I went to the army, and I got my hip shot in battle, and I got a medical discharge, and yeah. That's quite a bit of a backstory you have there. That's the abbreviated version. Yeah, well, apparently he goes by the nickname of Johnny World. Yes. Johnny. Well, I guess people think the world of him. Yeah, well, maybe they do. Hey. Maybe he likes to travel the world. I don't know. But anyway, he looks to be set up pretty well, and New Orleans will be hoping that he can be the quarterback that they need to succeed. Because, said before, their conference is stacked. They need some talent. They might get it in Johnny Fields. They just might. So essentially, we look down the order and looking at quarterbacks, we have the next one. He's a bit of a big fella. A bit soft-spoken. But can he be the guy that Montreal want? It is Tyrone Appleby. Uh, I respect my fellow canine, but I don't exactly know what to expect from this kid. I mean, he does have a little bit carrying around with him. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to be a mobile quarterback if he needs to be that in the league. Don't know if that weight's going to be a detriment to him or maybe even a help to him. Who knows? Well, I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, look. When I looked at this guy when I was watching like the combine stuff on FSPN over here, along, with, I mean, I work for I work for FAL Grandstand, but I do watch stuff on Volpus Sports and. And FSPN, but I'm looking at the stuff for the combine. That, like, I'm looking at this guy, I'm thinking, geez, this guy would be a good defensive player. And then I hear quarterback, and I'm like, huh? Bark? Like, that was my reaction to him. Like, he's a quarterback? Bark? What the? He's Are you sure you're not giving me the wrong notes? Well, <laughs> that um, was what I, that's why I said, that's why I said back then during the combine. Yeah, well, seeing this six foot six, three hundred pound player essentially a quarterback is completely puzzling. But he seems to have a rocket arm on him. He seems to be a very nice guy. I mean, I've looked at some of his interviews and like, jeez, he, he seems like the sweetest guy you've ever met. But like, he knows what he, I think he knows what he's doing, but. That I think that weight might, could play a factor in if he's good or not. I mean, if he can use it well, I think he's going to succeed. If he's a bit too slow and he's unable to really get on his feet, he might be a bit of a hindrance to Montreal, but we will have to see. We will have to see. So, uh, What about that one loudmouth uh, uh, player that was being a real... I'm allowed to say bitch on here, right? Yeah, go ahead. That one loudmouth bitch that was shooting off her mouth saying that she was the greatest player and everyone should draft her first. What was her name again? Uh, Ripley Blackheart. She went number nine for the New York Titans. She went third overall in quarterbacks behind Fields and Appleby. Mm. You you seem to have some very opinionated thoughts on her. Honestly, I just want to know if she can back up her words. Yeah, I think we I saw got... in the combine. It, I saw in the combine, and I kind of wasn't too impressed with what I saw. But at the same time, I could be wrong. It could have been an off day for her, probably. Prior to that, she was having one of her mood days or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Not to sound sex. Not, not to sound sexist or anything, but uh, 
she needs to calm down a little bit and channel that anger and her playing and maybe just maybe she might amount to something but if not then she'll just be nothing but hot air in this league yeah i've seen a lot of this attitude before in players they think they can take on the world they can think they can be the number one and all this and that and like some can back it up others end up just being busts ripley black Ark, we're gonna have to see if she's yeah, any- we all have head in the UFFR with Colton Carson in his day. You don't need another one. Yeah, well, I think with, I mean, with Carson gone, I think we've got our new Carson here, Ripley Blackheart. She's been apparently hanging out a lot with Sharon Travston. Downriver gonna, might want to have a look at that. I think they might have, they might be putting their kicker, Rebecca Walker to, with Travston, because I think as we said before, we've talked about Rudy Walker, we've talked about Colin Travston, Sharon Travston, and Rebecca Walker, the sister to both Ryder and, and Rudy Walker of the Orange Miners, they both have that Favel connection. Down with the car, put them together. I wonder how that goes. Will that mentoring work? Will Sharon kind of not... Will Sharon follow the, the thing of Rebecca, or will she join Ripley, and will we end up just seeing a lot at it? Well, I'll have to wait and see how it all plays out this season or next couple seasons. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. Um, anything, any other players you guys want to talk about here? We've gone through the quarterbacks. We've looked at Marcus Nash. Anyone else here? Well, I think you pretty much covered it all for me. Covered it all for me, too, I guess. Okay, so, I mean, we'll have a look at Mrs. Forelevant, Miss Forelevant here. Uh, Akari Miku, uh, a punter. Um, we had two punters go in the last two picks. Um, should we go into the Bandits? And, well, is that tag likely to kind of just stick with her for a career? Well, probably. I mean, it's a punter. I mean, punters normally aren't the biggest mm. names. I mean, we well, have... Well, I, I really don't know about that, per se, because if, if this punter can actually kick the ball and actually... Pet a team deep, that would actually be a really probable cause to remove Miss, Miss Irrelevant from that ti- from her title. Yeah, well, that's true, true as well. Uh, we have, uh, I think, we have a few notable names here. We won't, I don't, we won't really preview them, but we'll have a look at them. Um, we got Daniel Van Barrel for Grand Rapids went number twelve. Uh, oh, she's number seventeen. Anyone can, can anyone pronounce that? I, I think they're Welsh. I don't think I'd be able to spell it if you ever to be out of spelling bee. Hmm. Well, Bran Ap Hill, um, I'm probably butchering that name completely, but he went number 17. He is a kicker for New Orleans. Will he be good for them? We don't know. We'll find out. Uh, Severio Anthony went number 25 to Chicago. Bit of a... He... Bit of an interesting story to him, but... Yeah, we've looked at a lot of the main ones. Uh, we've got... See, any... We've got Billy Payne went to Baltimore, 36. Uh, Jonathan Collins. Yeah, I think we've mainly covered a lot of the players that we want to cover here. I mean, actually, I think we've got one left. Um, he's a center. Just let me check on that. You guys want anything? have anything else to say about the UFFL at the moment when I check? Nope, I'm all good. 
Uh, I'm all good and all covered as far as my notes go for the UFFL and stuff, so... Park, mm. park. You're all going to fail this year, and you're not going to score touchdowns at all. Sorry. Well, that's a bit harsh. I'm joking. I mean, someone's got to score a touchdown. All these guys, I mean, come on. Okay, um, there's actually one more player I kind of want to talk about here. His name is Charlie Kowee. He went pick number 10 to North Florida. And he is a center, and... Jeez, you thought... If you thought Tyron Appleby was big, wait until you wait until you see this blue whale. Six foot six foot seven, three hundred and sixty pounds. He apparently he's never had the opportunity to attend a professional game. And well, pretty much I see why he's been made a center. I mean, this guy, jeez, he could probably he can block pretty well. I mean says his pros are he's massive and that he has a sumo wrestler's ability to move people around. So that is gonna that is gonna be good for him in 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 trying to defend the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think North Florida might be in good hands here because if this guy can defend well, I think I think that's gonna help me their help their offense out and they might be able to win a playoff game this year. They just might. So anyway, that was the UFL draft. Uh, wait, we forgot one thing. We got we had some Bowers incidents here. Man got drunk, and I mean drunk. I was sort of in the booth with him, and uh, well, actually, I wasn't in the booth. I was uh, watching behind the scenes, and uh, he had way too much whiskey or whatever he was drinking. Yeah, there may may have also been some other drugs in there as well. I don't know. Just the the guy was off his off his nut on something. Um, Sounds like a guy with problems. Yeah, and he as again we must remind you he is the man running the league. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. Pardon uh, my French, but we're beeped. Yeah, well, uh, Tyler, any last words on the UFL draft? Um, anything on Bowers, anything on teams and that, and just, just in general? I think I'll echo James' words. In the UFL, under Bowers' leadership is going to be a fun one. That's one way of putting it. Well, anything else, or... Uh, nope. Anyway, we've we've reached the end of the show. We're doing... Is there anything that has caught your attention recently around the around the leagues? Is there any? Do you want to give a shout out or anything? Is there anything coming up? Uh, uh, I got like one thing that will probably one we can cover like next episode or whatever. So I'll wait on that one. But one that I want to cut on that just actually caught my attention here recently. Uh, Kind of going back to uh, our first story that we covered with, with Scooty Bear becoming a father. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's gonna. Apparently, this season is full of baby boomers because uh, apparently Hector Hart, who was originally on the Bangor Tides, got traded to Santa Ana. Recently announced on Twitter that he's going to become a daddy for the first time. Mm, Jesus. 
Is there must be something in that infrared. Yeah, there must be something. Prior to that, they were playing so good that they decided to celebrate. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Tyler, any final words you want to say? Anything that you that brought, got your attention? Anything you want to talk about? Well, the only big story I see at the moment, like I said, is that catnip love triangle between Bartlett Knight and Kenson. Yeah, well, that is going to be interesting. We will bring you details for it in the coming weeks as we get them. Uh, I think, interestingly, I'm kind of looking, as I said before, looking forward to this Fafel Grand Final. I mean, I can't wait to call it. Personally, if Gold Coast win, it will be a historic day. It will be a completely historic day. Just to see those former players who have who have put their blood, sweat, and tears into this team. They've come so far, they've come so close yet so far, so many times. I think I think if they win, we're going to be seeing some tears in those eyes. Like, but we're going to see how that goes. But right now, we'll, my name is is Wes Carey. Uh, with me is I'm James Witherspoon for this new show that we're starting and Mark Mark yes as I said before I'm Wes Carey thank you for listening we will see you next time Mark